Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey, why? Don't be so sad. You're really bad. In EH. Remember to always draw cards and ramp. And someday someday you'll be better. Better, 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 better. How's it going, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. You have no idea how long we spent writing those lyrics. I mean, at least 60 seconds. Yeah, well, it says four minutes since we started recording. Well, so yeah, that's you're true. just seeing the beginning of it now, but we didn't even we didn't even cross the finish line. We, we got close. Uh, how's it? Josh Lee <laughs> Kwai. Uh, okay, so we're going to talk about the, the title of the episode is How Do We Fix white and commander but that's probably not an entire episode so what we've decided to do and the the whole reason this topic came to us is because we got all those questions from everybody for that giveaway we did a couple months ago and yeah. we got like we said before we got over three thousand emails so we're gonna take a bite out of that only a small one and answer some of the more interesting questions yeah and there's a lot of stuff that's happened recently too and of course we can't even get close to starting this topic until we tell you about our sponsors that's right cardkeem.com slash command zone Make sure you use that affiliate link if you're going to buy any of the cards we talk about today on the show. Or, like Josh always says, you're going to buy Magic cards anyway. Why not do so from a link that's, one, very easy to use, and two, supports the show that you're watching right now. And it's from a great company. They're going to get you your stuff faster yes. than anybody else in better condition. And another great company that also supports all of our content is Ultra Pro. If you order those cards from Card Kingdom or anywhere, or just have cards lying around, you want to protect that stuff. You don't want it to get damaged in any way. Eclipse sleeves mm -hmm. are the best way to do that. Play them onto a nice play mat so they don't get all dirty and scuffed up. Put them in a very secure deck box, like maybe yeah. a satin tower from Ultra Pro. Again, by supporting our sponsors, you really are supporting all of our content. And the last way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. Our patrons just got to watch the last game. That's episode a day early. And it was awesome. We got to interact with them in our Discord, answer questions about the show, talk about a couple of the rules interactions and all that stuff. And of course, you know, Brandon Sanderson was on that show. It was awesome to be able to share that with everyone early. And we shout out one lucky patron every single week. So this week's episode is dedicated, dedicated to, to Matt Wetter. Wetter. Matt, you rock. 
All right, so yeah, we've got a bunch of cool questions we're going to talk about at some point. I don't remember what number it is, how to fix or how we think white could be fixed in EDH. Uh, somebody asked a cool question about is judging the budget of your deck a good indicator of its power level? Yeah, we talked about that uh, in one of our episodes recently too. Yeah, so we've got a bunch of interesting questions from a bunch of people, and it's a great opportunity for us to jump around to a bunch of sort of mini topics. Um, just want to say before we start, if you have any interesting questions that you would like us to answer on the show, always shoot them our way. You don't have to wait for a contest or anything like that. We're mm -hmm. always happy to get them uh, because it does often... A lot of our topic ideas for entire shows come from a question where you're like, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't really you know, thought that would be interesting. And people hadn't thought about tackling that topic. And so that does help us out. That's another way to help out all of our content. Yeah, um, just send an email to commandzonecast at gmail.com and uh, the, the topic can just be question time. <laughs> you can always use the topic question time. Yeah, that, that helps us when we're looking for it as well. Just looking up question time will get us all everything. Uh, I also want to say some of these questions may be shortened for brevity, so they're not always direct quotes. All right, let's talk about number one. And this one we got asked from a bunch of people. I guess we never really thought about it, but it, it's basically what do you guys think about the lineup of Commander products for 2020? So we did yeah. that in big announcement video with Gavin where we announced all the cool stuff that's happening next year. And then we, I guess we were like, yeah, okay, we talked about that. We're done. <laughs> we're good. Uh, no opinions. Yeah. And so we never talked about it on the show. So that's a cool question that just totally slipped our minds. And of course, in that video with Gavin, we were sort of in the role of, um, of disseminating information to everyone. That was the important part of that. Uh, we were trying to make sure that everybody understood what each product was when uh, approximately when it was coming out so that they would understand. And then, of course, we were pushing Wizards to show us cards or art or something like, yep. yeah, and trying to ask the questions we thought you would ask that they would be uh, able to uh, answer. We I, There was yeah, a lot of back and forth where I was like, can we ask this? And they were like, no, we can't yeah, answer that. Okay, yeah. can we ask this? No, we can't answer that. Can we ask this? Oh, yeah, we can answer that one. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, but, but there's been a lot of hullabaloo, I think, in the community, Jimmy, about just the fact that Commander is getting so much focus from Wizards next year. And I think, you know, some people are looking at it positive and negative, as all things in, in Magic tend to sort of skew in those two directions. Um, well, Mark Rosewater recently said on his Tumblr, actually, someone asked him about the popularity of Commander, and he just straight up said that he thinks Commander is probably the most uh, popular format in Magic the Gathering right now. So obviously, it's a great time to be a Commander player. We said it a billion times in the episode. But it is true because so much of this new product is coming out next year. And there is a lot to go through. So should we just go through it bit by bit? Or do you want to talk about overall impressions first? Yeah, let's talk about it really quick for those that may have missed the announcement video. Just we'll put up the graphic that we used at the end of that video and just go through it. So there's basically four and a half things that are coming <laughs> out for Commander. So usually every year we get the Commander product. And that's all that Commander gets. Next year there's like four and a half things. So yep. the Commander product for next year, what would be Commander 2020, is coming out in April instead of August, and it's coming out with the Ikoria set release, um, which is April 24th, I believe, and they're tying it to the same set release, so you'll be able to test the Commander decks out at the pre-release. Mm -hmm. um, but those are basically the same as the Commander products we've gotten every year. There's five decks instead of four this year. Yeah, sort of returned back to, I think, the first three years of Commander products when they had five decks out, and they're all thematically tied to Ikoria, which means that we're going to see a lot of 
things that are similar to the set, but they're going to share very few reprint slots of what's actually in the main set. There are 71 new cards, I believe. The most uh, ever. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this in general. I think it's great that we're getting this stuff earlier. It gives us a little bit more time to also, I think, process it throughout the year. Sometimes getting all this stuff at the end of the year and you have this weird break over Christmas break and it seems like not much, you know, we don't get to podcast as much, we don't get to talk about stuff as much. And so this, the format sort of takes a break for a second almost. Yeah, and this is, see, for me, this is just like, we would have got this, right? The Commander product was going to come out next year at some point. So they just slid it up. They painted it a little bit on the the window dressing as Ikoria. That's totally fine. Seems cool to me. But it's not that different than what we would normally get. It's all the stuff from here after that's stuff we wouldn't normally get, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think the only thing that's really differentiating Ikoria is that they have a clear sort of direction to go in terms of the theme. And And to me, that's just making their lives a little bit easier as far as design, right? Yeah. Uh, I expect to still see very, you know, similar power level cards, if not more powerful. Um, It just happens to be tied more to Ikoria. But again, we don't really, we can't speculate on it because we don't know yet. But if you think in past years they have chosen a theme and sort of constrained themselves to that i think it's just too nebulous for like do anything yeah They're like let's do tribal this year mm-hmm. let's pick okay we're, this one's morph this one's flashback let's pick a mechanic and build around that they uh tend to want to like corral the design space a little to make it easier on themselves and this one is like let's tie it to ikoria so yeah it's really again i don't think ultimately that different than commander products we've got in the past probably not different at all i will say this though when i was hanging out with mark we filmed a uh, sort of a, a announcement video announcing yeah. all the sets for next year and mark was telling me about ikoria behind the scenes and he said it was one of the most mechanically complex sets he's ever designed which means great things for me i, I love intense mechanics and hopefully that's going to reflect in the commander decks as well so i'm, I'm personally looking forward to it and again like Josh said, when they're able to help hone what the commander decks are going towards thematically, I think it makes for a better overall experience for playing those decks out of the box, which is one of my favorite things to do every single year. So that's Ikora, that's Commander 20, that's the same product we normally would have got, basically. Now we move on to Zendikar Rising, which is in quarter three of next year, and Zendikar Rising sort of ushers in a new era, if you will, where from now on, besides the core set, you're going to get two pre-constructed commander decks with every set so yep but these well, not are every set necessarily with every non-core set yeah it, it, in it the near be, future yeah, they could stop doing this at some point but yeah and if it's like a master set right you're not, you're not gonna get decks with that either so with although, the sort of the main although yeah that's true <laughs> yeah. okay so anyways Zendikar rising comes with two pre-constructed commander decks but these are not like the commander product from the past I, they only have three new cards each. Yep, and those are going to be the commander cards. So the yeah. face card and then two other inside the deck. So three legendary creatures probably. Uh, and these are going to be probably a, a little bit like lower on the spectrum as far as cost. I'm We're just guessing based on the wording that mm-hmm. we've heard when they talk to us. There's no MSRP, obviously. So, But these are going to be in smaller boxes. They said there's no oversized cards. These are kind of meant for new players to the format. What they really wanted to do was have commander decks that were always available at any given time because they've learned that a lot of people are finding magic through commander and throughout the year too and like trying to buy even the commander decks from this year is getting harder and harder yeah Yeah. it's only a couple months ago yeah so this is actually going to sort of split it up and i think the thing that a lot of people were like oh my gosh my wallet how am i going to afford all this the main thing to know here is that it's mostly going to be a lot of reprints in these decks and there's only a few new cards so i think overall i'm actually very excited about this because let's say you're a player that likes zendikar a lot and they don't care so much about ikoria maybe you get into commander around zendikar because again it's sort of similar what's themed to that set yeah and i i think also for established commander players like us 
less likelihood that we kind of internally are calling these set decks. Yeah. So there's the commander product, which is what Arcoria is next year. And this isn't the same as the commander product. These set decks that are going to come out with every set, they're not for entrenched and franchise players as much. You'll probably just want to buy the singles of the legendary creatures. And, and probably some... that's it. Because yeah. how many Cultivates and Kodamas reaches do you need? If you need those, those are probably going to be reprinted in some of these decks, that level of card. I would not expect them to put Oracle of Maldives and stuff no. in these decks. Although in the Brawl decks, they put Shocklands, so they could do something like that. It'd be great if the value is very high, the reprint value, but I doubt that'll happen yeah, for if, these set decks. If anything, I think this is more Watsy saying, like, we want more players to have chances to get into Commander. Yeah. And as me, as someone that likes introducing Commander to people, it's a nice way to be like, hey, I bought a pre-con for you or hey this is a great chance for you to start without having to go all the way back and try to find product that may not be available anymore and also it allows them a place to sort of push some legendary creatures that maybe they couldn't put in the standard in version standard the right so they have some cool idea for a legendary creature but that's probably maybe too good for standard well we'll put it into the commander product so commander players can still use it yeah so that's cool I, actually that reminds me a lot of like cards like you know how like you played a uh, your deck where the it was a vampire had to go to the graveyard right alenda alenda yeah. yeah so i think like a card like that had it been in a set deck might have actually had a good clause where it didn't need set to hit the graveyard the command zone. yeah exactly yeah. so uh, hopefully and again these are all this is all speculation on our part. This might be a chance for them to be like, cool, we can actually make this a three or four CMC commander instead of having to push it to six because yeah. it's also going to be illegal and standard. Our next product, also in quarter three, and it was unclear to us whether when talking to them, and I'm not sure they even know yeah. whether this will come out before or after Zendikar Rising even. So these could be flip-flopped in order, but the next product is Commander Collection Green. So Commander Collection is going to be a new thing that they'll hopefully do at least five times so that every color <laughs> All gets the colors. Hit. It's kind of like the signature spell, spell book. Yeah. It's um, eight cards available in foil versions and non-foil versions, depending on your store. WPN status, who yeah. was its play network of your store. But you'll, both will be available. But they're all reprints, so eight reprints of staples that are themed around the color of the thing. So in this case, green. So we showed two pieces of art mm-hmm. on the announcement video. We'll put them on screen now. We guessed a lot of things. Uh, one thing we didn't guess that a lot of people are guessing for the Yisan card, the card featuring Yisan, uh, which Gavin told us is Yisan casting a spell, so it can't be the actual card Yisan. Right. A lot of people are speculating Court of Calling, which yeah. is a pretty good guess since he's playing a chord. He's playing a chord, yeah. and things are coming to the surface there. So who knows? But uh, this is a place they can put maybe something like Oracle of Moldiah. I think they could maybe put one card of that level in this set. I would hope so. I mean, that's sort of my main hope with this is like, there are obviously a ton of green cards that are already budget that you could put in here. Like you could throw a Bane of Progress in there and be like, yeah, that's a classic green commander card. That's an expensive card now too. Is it really? Yeah, because they haven't reprinted a lot. Well, that's, I mean, it's it's another chance. I I see it as a place to hopefully reprint some good stuff. And, you know, who doesn't like alternate arts and foils and all that stuff. So if you're a collector on that regard, in that regard, this is also something I think that's tailored more towards you. You. Uh, and then, so so that's cool. I think, you know, obviously every color needs one of these to sort of even it out. And I'm a little sad that they started with green because green's already so good. Yeah. But I guess a lot of the green cards are expensive, so maybe that's why they started there. Yeah, and there also could be a chance of, you know, them being like uh, what we're going to talk about later in the episodes. Like maybe they're going to print a really good white card at some point this year. And then when Commander Collection White comes out, they are green inevitably print- putting it in there. Yeah, yeah, Tithe is yeah. hopefully going in there. Please, please. <laughs> All right. And then the last set, and this is why we said there's four and a half things because this one kind of has one and a half. So yeah. the last big announcement, a major one in the fourth quarter of next year so about a year away from now or maybe possibly more is a it's basically commander masters it's called commander legends and this is a draftable commander set it will have 20 card booster packs and 
He said, uh, Gavin said there's over 70 legends. I want to, the way he said it made it clear that some of those are planeswalkers. A couple of them are planeswalkers. Yep. And the art that we also showed that a lot of people have guessed the uh, name for, I think. Yeah, Jessica uh, is what most people are guessing. I mean, I, I think we can definitely definitively say it is based on the weapons and all that yeah. stuff. But that was a planeswalker art. So, yeah, I think that is what G- Gavin was referencing. So, there's somewhere around 70 new commanders in there. Maybe slightly less, less if there's like three planeswalkers. Maybe there's 67. Yeah. But whatever. There's a lot of new legends. Uh, and this is a, a place where they can really do some real reprints. Yeah, it's a full set, essentially. So yeah. you have a lot more slots for both the commons and the uncommons and the rares and the mythics. Yeah, so that's the hope, I think. Well, first of all, I did get to draft it with Gavin. He referenced that again on the video about a year ago. So who knows what the set looks like in comparison to that. Uh, but it is super fun to play based on that. So that yeah. that part's really cool. You may have seen our Commander Cube episode with Brandon Sanderson of Game Nights that just came out. It honestly feels similar to that when mm-hmm. you play Commander Legends, um, similar to Conspiracy crossed with what we did with Brandon. So, And drafting that cube was one of the most fun so times fun. I've had playing Magic <laughs> recently. So yeah, that was a blast. I'm really looking forward to this from a limited standpoint. And you know, fingers crossed again that we have some really good reprints here. That's, I think, really going to determine what the general internet reaction is to a lot of this, is what are the quality of the reprints and are there any like really awesome hype like commanders slash cards that may become stables. I think that'll be a combination of things. The value of the reprints and then how cool are the new cards that they're giving yeah. us? What are the new toys? Uh, so, th- and then I guess the half point at the end is that Commander Legends also gets set decks. It also gets these sort of minimized pre-cons or whatever you want to call them, similar to Zendikar Rising. So they're going to only have three new cards each, three new legendary mm-hmm. creatures that aren't in the Commander Legends main set and the rest of those precons will be reprints. And again, they'll come in a smaller box, similar to the Brawl precons. I would not expect these to be as expensive as the Commander product we know. And again, I wouldn't expect the reprint value to be very high either. But yeah. it's an it's an entry point for people to start playing Commander, get a deck going, because this is going to be way later in the year than Ikoria when the Commander product comes out. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, uh, of course, worried about their wallets and then yeah. what, how it's going to cost them over the year. And I think it's a little overblown because you still have the regular sets coming out and the Commander Collection Green is akin to like the J Spellbooks, which again, you could almost call Commander Collection Blue in a Did way. Did you even buy the J Spellbooks? I didn't um, yeah. because a lot of those cards I didn't, I I didn't want. Them. Yeah, I had them. I wasn't interested in that version of it. Um, the only thing that that's going to do for a lot of people is just the collectors and it may drive a couple of prices down a little bit. Who knows? Yeah, um, like if all of a sudden there's some big reprint, let's say they put Oracle of Moldiah in there. Yeah. Then all of a sudden the regular Oracle of Moldiah may go down in price just because everyone wants that one and that could help you. Yeah, and you need an oracle yeah. and everything depends on how much is printed and right. all that stuff um and then the set decks really only bring a few new cards to the table uh and if anything the set decks are more important than bringing the overall price of other cards down i wouldn't even count the set decks as pressure on my wallet really because i'm not go- probably going to buy them i, I yeah. already own almost certainly everything they're going to put in there i'll pick up the singles yeah if i'm looking the for new it, legends or be like oh great now that this x card doesn't cost as much anymore i'm going to get some copies of it from these set decks you know and card kingdom is a great place to do that when that happens so let me ask you jimmy let's address some of the negativity out there surrounding this because of course a lot of people are excited there's a lot of new stuff for commander mm-hmm. it's a great time to be a commander player all that uh but there's a little bit of negativity and i, I do kind of get it in that oh, I people get it are too. a little apprehensive and worried about uh-oh if they focus too much on commander 
too much of a good thing might end up being a bad thing. They can start to, you know, we worry about things like power creep in the format and mm-hmm. and, and things like that. What, what are your feelings about, uh, I don't know, that topic of discussion? I would say that every single year when they print pre-cons and they put three new commanders in the deck boxes out of the, let's say, 12 new commanders that are that, there, like maybe three to four of them I think are really viable. And we're changing that number now from 12 to like 20. So maybe we have six to seven more viable commanders in the format. And I think that's actually something that's fine by me as long as it doesn't, and this is up to, again, R&D and how they design it. If they, like, go ham and start breaking things left and right and really messing with things, then obviously it's not great. And more cards means that there is statistically a higher chance of that happening. But I also think that it's something that, at this point of Wizards design, designing Commander products, it's not something that's very likely to happen. And if anything, adding a little more diversity to the format, I think, as at least a shake-up test for a year, is something I believe that is worthy to do. So that's my view on it. I'm trying to be optimistic about it, but it's always a cautious optimism as most Magic players have about most things. But I'm not going to be outright negative about it because, again, I think people are overblowing how much new stuff is actually coming out because a lot of it will be reprints with these set decks, and that's going to be sort of the main bulk of like the, oh, these extra things are coming out. Otherwise, you're still getting the regular set decks, um, and then you're getting Commander Legends, which is going to be interesting. But you, people are were already saying like, masters the the modern masters modern masters was really commander masters yeah ba- battle bond modern was really Rises, commander masters. battle bond yeah so like <laughs> is is one set of commander legends really going to change the effect overall over the year it we'll find out yeah I, I i think i just think of it in these terms would it be better if they focus on commander or don't mm-hmm. and i think them focusing on commander is way better than not at all yeah so now we're just haggling over price how much we think they should focus on it and is this too much it probably was too little before. One product per year is probably not enough for the most popular format in Magic. Correct. Did we go too far to the other side? Well, we'll have to wait and see on that one. It's possible we have, but it's also possible that this is not far enough or that it's just right. So yeah. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now, and I'm excited about new stuff. I do like new cards. Uh, it's good for us as content creators. It's uh-huh. always something new to talk about, so we are maybe a little biased in that respect. But in general, I'm, I'm positive about all this. And yes, there is some apprehension mixed in there, but in general... Listen, you saw Gavin on our video. Like the guy's a commander player through he and through. He loves magic. He yeah. would never want to harm it in any way. So I do have trust that at the very least their heart's in the right place. That doesn't mean that mistakes aren't made and things like that. But yeah. these people like Ethan Fleischer and all the people over there that we interacted with and we know, like they like they love Commander. They want it to to grow and thrive. They're gonna do their best to shepherd it in the best way possible. Yeah, and also Wizards hasn't been like, it's gonna be like this every year from now on. Gavin very clearly was like, please tell me what you think. And yeah. they're gonna take this all into account. So after this year, I'd say let it snow. Let's see what happens with this test year, and let's see, you know, I know for a fact that they're always tweaking and they're always figuring stuff out. Again, ma- they're magic players too. They want the best value out of what they're making card-wise and, and what makes most sense, I think. All right, let's move on because we got a bunch more that was a long, uh, questions yeah. to, to the tackle. New answers will be a lot less <laughs> uh, lengthy than that one, that's for sure. All right, so we're going to go into the official question portion now since that was almost a topic. Yeah. All right, so this is from Jan. What's your MO for upgrading decks? Your modus operandi. Do you swap a few cards often or do you do big changes all in one swoop? Uh, For me, I will take out one or two cards 
uh, if I really like, for instance, like but a you, card. But often or not? Not often. Yeah. It's like Panharmonicon needs to get printed for me to do that. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you know, sometimes I I will do this often if I feel like a deck isn't performing. I'll lay it out and look at the curve and all that stuff. And then in that case, I might be like, well, I really do want to put Dockside Extortionist in here, so I'm just going to get rid of this random eight drop that is a personal favorite of mine. But I've played it enough at this point; I don't need to keep putting it in my deck as a pet card or whatever. Yeah. So that's really the major swaps I'll make, unless I I very very rarely will go. I'm going to change the whole strategy of this deck, in which case you're removing 10 to 20 cards and replacing those. I mean, I think neither of us are the type of player that's constantly... A new set comes out, and we just... What cards do I need to go into what decks and immediately yeah. upgrade all of my decks every set that come out? For one, Jimmy and I always have to build a new deck almost always when a new set comes out because of game nights. Yeah. And then for two, that's just a lot of work. So I tend to go more in like big patches. So like some point in the year will hit and I'll be like, oh, I haven't upgraded my decks in a while. And I'll go through and be like, oh, Wilderness Reclamation needs to go in these two. And yeah. Panharmonica needs to go in these two and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of do like six or seven sets worth of upgrades all at once. And then I don't do it again for maybe a year. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's that long, depending like, oh, maybe I built a new deck in there and that got some of the new cards. And then that doesn't make me feel like I need to put the new cards into yeah. all my decks. And then a lot of my decks, they just feel good as is. Like my Vile Smasher Thrasios, people are always asking me, do you have an updated list? The old list is the updated list. That deck is my favorite deck. Why am I messing with it? I'll just build new decks. Yeah. That deck can just sit where it is. Yeah. And if you do update it, it's like one card. Yeah. So yeah, definitely checked out, tapped out. And, and a lot of people always ask this too. Every single time we talk about or use a deck in the game nights or, or really talk about it in deck tech it's always in the show notes yep. always all right in a previous it. episode you called something the nut draw what does that mean and a lot of people ask us this question it's a poker term right yeah have you heard that the nuts you got the yeah. nuts yeah so it's the etymology is that it comes from like the old west in uh in the u.s so what would happen is in a card game if you wanted to bet your horse or your wagon you would have to pull the nuts off the wheel and put that into the pot and no one would ever do that unless they had the best possible hand. So that that term, the nuts, became synonymous with the best possible hand. Yeah. So the nut draw is the best possible draw. You have the nuts means you have an unbeatable hand. Yeah. Uh, there's Some people also have it akin to like, that's nutty, that's nuts, that's crazy, or that's so good, it's the nuts. Right. So it, it's sort of intertwined with all that stuff now, too. I didn't know that about the spoke, though. That's great, because you can't use your wagon without... Right. The, and yeah. you would never bet it unless you, ha you were going to win the hand. So yeah. it just became... yeah. Uh, the meaning for the best. All right, next question is, do either of you currently listen to any other commander-centered podcasts? Do you guys see what other podcasters are saying to get ideas for yourself, to improve your own skills, or just to see what others are presenting? And this is from Seraphin. Uh, I listen to the EDH Rec podcast, and I also, I don't listen to podcasts as much. I, yeah, I, I listen to like two podcasts right now, and they're not commander related at all uh, i do watch a lot of videos these days because on my personal youtube page it will show me new stuff all the time i watched an entire gameplay video in french the other day <laughs> i didn't understand a thing but i was really interested to see how they took on the format and how they wanted to do it and had their camera angles and stuff and they were also asking me for advice so i, I typed out like a long lengthy response to them and, and let them know so that that's usually how i co uh, consume my content online yeah i i watch a lot of videos i listen to quite a few podcasts not all magic podcasts, but well, I'm scared to start naming the magic ones because then I'll miss somebody and they'll get mad. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, from time to time, I listen to almost every commander podcast that's out there once in a while. Just uh, to pop in and hear what's pop up. Pop in and I, I like all these people and they have smart things to say. And just like Seraphin uh, sort of implied, like 
always looking for ideas out there. There's nothing wrong with that. I hope everybody's doing that with us too. It's like, oh, that's an interesting topic or idea. Or it sparks a thought in you, an opinion. Either sometimes you disagree and you're like, yeah. oh, I could talk about that on my podcast. We're always mining for stuff to talk about because we're content creators. And uh, you and I have both done this, uh, you more recently, but guest on other people's podcasts as well. And, you know, in, in talk about whatever. Yeah. I've done interviews. I've also done, you know, Twitch streams with other groups and stuff about magic and stuff. Magic just happens to sort of circle our lives constantly now and other podcasts too that aren't magic related i, I will often get uh inspiration from as well so yeah i always think it's funny because i'll be at the gym and i imagine everybody else is listening to like rock music, music or hip-hop yeah. and i'm listening to like the age of napoleon <laughs> uh, uh, man that guy was great <laughs> All right, question number five. My group has started comparing deck price tags, the cost of the cards, in order to determine the power level. People's rankings just seem too objective. Do you think this is a good solution? What range of price would you consider for each of the common 1 to 10 power levels? And this comes from Cody. Uh, this is not a good solution. You can have a deck with like 50 cards that all cost $1,000, but none of them are a card draw ramp. Yep. So. And, and like one underground C will totally blow up your budget, but the the power of that underground sea yeah, is not even close to the amount of its cost. So I, yeah, I don't... A Wrath of God is probably more powerful than an underground sea. Yeah, definitely. Text, yeah, so. Panharmonicon, definitely. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. 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 And, but the price is so out of whack. So I don't think price in any way correlates to the 1 to 10 power scale, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it would have to be a combination, Cody, of price as well as deck building prowess. So if this person is super dedicated to deck building and they have the budget to buy very expensive cards, then yes, their deck is probably very powerful. But, but their deck's I, powerful because it's powerful. I don't think yeah. it's necessarily powerful just because of the money they spent on it. Yeah, the card's power level may be higher because they do cost more. The very, very, very powerful cards like Mana Crypt is the most obvious example. But again, it really depends on how they built the deck more than anything else. Trust us from playing with Mitch from Commander's Quarters who all yeah. almost all of his decks are $50 or less and they are totally powerful and totally fine and can hang with all my decks basically so yeah i mean i mean i have decks with dual lands and stuff in them that are probably a thousand dollars and mitch is there with a 50 dollars deck and there's no feeling during that game that he is in any way disadvantaged so yep. i don't think budget has to do with power level exactly um question six how do you select the guests for game nights how do you meet the people that you have on the show? Have any of them that weren't already friends become friends of yours and who? This is from Sterling. Jeez. Well, I will say that we meet a lot of people as a result of our job. Uh, I meet just a lot of people in general from traveling a lot, um, from content creation, from YouTubing and stuff. I would say that the people that we brought on the show that were more of a question mark in the beginning, like Melissa DeTora is a great example, right? Like we didn't really know her that well, but we knew we really wanted her on the show. We'd met her a few times though. Yeah. But I would say af after coming on the show and being able to spend some more time with them and, you know, be in the interview room or just across the table, you definitely foster a much stronger relationship with a lot of people and that is something that i really do cherish it's funny because when i read this question i was like you know what the answer to the part about how many that weren't friends became your friends is kind of a lot cassius yeah somebody who like i'll text i was just texting with him like a couple days ago about the football game or whatever kyle hill who kyle we hill, didn't yeah. know at all uh there's a whole bunch of people mel like lee that. mel lee sean main yeah a ton that came on the show at one point or another that we didn't know very well or or, or really 
at all. I mean, you always know them to some extent because you have to email a little bit to get it locked down. Yeah, but yeah. That have become like people that are in our playgroup and we play with a lot. Yeah. It's never happened where it's the opposite unless it's Craig Blanchett playing in effects. <laughs> in which case, you know, we he became... was my friend and now he's Now not. he's not. Now, you know, and that's why you'll never see him on Game Nights. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I don't know. The selecting of the guests for Game Nights is, is a very hard question to answer because there is no rigid process for it. It's very nebulous. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some broad criteria, right? Like, to be honest, uh, some level of notoriety helps. Right. If you have three hundred thousand Twitter followers or whatever, you've got a better chance of getting on game nights. But if we've you're had one of the top selling fantasy authors, authors of, of all time. time <laughs> then, then we find out you play Magic. Yes, we're going to try and get you on the show. Yeah. But we've had people that have you know two thousand Twitter followers also on the show. If we just think you're cool or you're generally a positive force in the community, yeah. then we will probably want to invite you on. And of course, people that have been nice to us and that we like, yes, more likely to come on. Like we're we're normal human beings. So And the criteria that applies to the people that audition for the show also applies to the people that we would want to bring on. Yes. So if you can't talk in front of a camera, then as much of a maybe you're the best and most fun commander player ever, but if you can't do the interview segment, then it's it's hard for us to bring you on the show like game nights. Yeah, that's that's definitely a really good point. Um, I was going to say... Extra turns works for something like that, right? Yeah. Because it's just table banter. But yeah, a big part of the show is is that whole section where we're able to explain what's going on in an entertaining and hopefully fun way. Yeah. So, okay. That's kind of the criteria. There we go. All right. Level seven. Question seven. I've noticed in the past few episodes how disappointed you two have been regarding the power level of white cards in recent releases. Mostly me, actually. Um, I'm there with you. What do you think would be the most impactful changes or additions to white cards that would increase its power without breaking its role in the color pie? Uh, thank you, Brian, for asking this question. So this one is the headline of the entire show, Jimmy. How would you fix white in Commander. Well, we talk about it all the time and the answer is disappointingly easy, which is just add the two things that make Commander decks work, card draw and ramp. But how do you do it in white in a way that, like Brian says, doesn't break the color pie that's the, the yeah. real the real tough part i right? think cards like weathered wayfarer are a really good example of how you can do something like this and i think red has shown a lot of ability to do so recently in ways that still feel very red so for red it's always like you get card advantage but it's temporary right right how does Cast white it before end of turn yeah how does white do it in a way and you know i think there are a lot of different ways to approach it that don't directly just break the color pie if that makes sense so i think white often has done things where it ties something to lifelink you gain x life you get x effect right um so but it I, makes white really narrow if you're not playing a life gain strategy true. i mean mentor of the meek is another one that i think is similar to that yeah and i would love to see more mentor of the meek-esque effects i think that's i mean mentor of the meek is very powerful but it's honestly it's one card it's, Bygone Bishop, it's not it's kind that of high on the list of things you know white always has abilities that give creatures indestructible and you sacrifice them or you know protection from things i think there is a way to tie that in um with white and i think a way that they can also do it that's clever is making sure that when white does it, it needs to tie the other white cards. Yeah. So it doesn't have to necessarily be like, you can play, and if like Smothering Tide, it's such a good white card you played in any deck that can play white pretty much. It didn't really help mono white a lot. It just helped all decks that have white have in white them, in right? it, yeah. it didn't it didn't help white in boros so i'd want to see more cards that were able to play within its own colors or within white's own effects that i think could be more effective to to add those two aspects i like what you said there or what you implied there which is this idea i think that like singular powerful white cards are not going to fix the problem teferi's protection and smothering tithe are great but i don't really want them to make a bunch more of that that's not i, I don't think how you make white better yeah. white needs a bunch of cards that are roughly equivalent to kodama's reach yep right that's why green is so good kodama's reach and cultivate are like the most winningest cards according to our statistics in commander burnished heart was a winning card because it just puts more lands on the battlefield uh one of my ideas is 
why can't we give white the uh, market festival type of aura and chant a land, make that land tap for more mana? Why oh, does yeah. green get mana dorks and put lands into play and enchantments that create mana? I understand green is the sort of king of create mana of any color. So maybe you make an aura enchantment that you know, taps the land when it comes into play, but that land now taps for one white in addition to whatever it taps for. And then you draw a card when it enters the battlefield. So that's yeah. basically cultivate, right? Yeah. I would also look for, you know, they love doing this where they do a land cycle of stuff. Like hideaway is a way to get card advantage and every color has access to it. Maybe just make whites not so bad the next time around, if that makes sense. And it uh, I'm would it really be that it. bad if white had one more of those than the other colors too? Like, yeah, well, it's every single time like Mystic Sanctuary gets printed and everyone's like, what the heck? What does whites do? And you're like, yeah. oh gosh. But so one, one, counter on something you know it's like yeah that's <laughs> nice but it certainly isn't as game breaking as the blue one which already historically has had a lot of really good cards to do you know great things so yeah i think i think white just needs to get a little more love i mean but i i do think it's the tough. love it needs to be the right kind of love i yeah. I, I think the the point of like Give us those mid-tier cards, not the super powerful Smothering Tithe to Fairy's Protection. They've got good cards at the top end. Swords to Plowshares, Path yeah. of Exile, Enlightened Tutor, Sun Titans. There's some great white cards. The problem is it falls off really hard after like their top six or seven cards. Their eighth most powerful through their 20th most powerful cards are just bad compared to everybody else's. Yeah, if you're fielding a baseball team, you can't just put you know 20 sammy sosas on there right you have to have a team that can hit and then also play defense on the other end of it so you need a more well-balanced squad so i definitely agree with that okay before we continue let's take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well i absolutely love this because you know if you own a home it can be really hard to maintain it's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. And we're back. Let's continue the discussion. 
Question number eight. Uh, this is a fun one. Why are you so focused on continually upping the production value of the show? Animations are cool and all, but I'm sure most people would rather have more content, even if it is a lower production value. Uh, I won't say the name, actually, because we get this a lot. So this is not it's not fair to put this on this one person. Yeah, uh, I will start by saying this. If we were at a point in Magic the Gathering content history where we're the only people making content, then there is more merit to this argument. Yeah, however, we're not. There's we're tons. not. There's so much. People are like, I want more commander gameplay. It's like, just Google it. It's There's so much. everywhere. It's so much and everyone's doing it and it's really awesome to see. Yeah, playing with you. power, spike feeders, MTG Mudsta, Commander Versus, yeah. uh, Commander Clash. There are tons. I'm sorry for everybody that I missed there. There's streaming ones as well. There, yep. There's tons and tons and tons now. Yeah, so I think it doesn't really make sense for us to try and put out more stuff because we're never going to be in that scrum with everybody else that's creating a ton of stuff like there's what are we adding to that conversation exactly just putting out more stuff that's not got the animations and everything for us that's the thing we're bringing that's new that's what we have that nobody else has so it's also what we want to do yeah i I don't know how i have i can express that bluntly enough it's what we want to do so that's what we're going to do we're not bound by a studio we're not, I mean, like, if the view count suddenly dropped to zero because the animations were so offensive, that then yes, obviously, you know, like, we, we always say, something, yeah, yeah we, you know, we always say vote with your wallet and you vote with your views as well, but the views are certainly not, like, dying because of the extra production value we're adding and we're keeping to the same consistent schedule that we've had pretty much since day one, so. I also think a lot of people, they say this idea that I think is incorrect, which is, like, the animations are cool and all, but. Yeah. Here's the thing. The animations for a lot of people are what make game nights watchable over content that doesn't have it. Because if you don't understand the game's nuances super, super well, the animations really do help you keep up with what it, what's going on in a way that allows people to watch gameplay that couldn't otherwise watch it. Yeah. Don't underestimate the power of the animations to convey what's going on in the game in a way that explanations and words never could. And also just like general excitement level too. I love seeing the animations come up and I know for sure for a fact that this show reaches a lot of really uh, like a younger audience as well. And like they're not going to understand the complexities of the massive stack that's being built up, but they love getting excited because if a fireball shoots from this card and hits that card, they know exactly what happened. Yeah, exactly. And it's fun to watch. And I think for that too, like we're always trying to bring more people into the game. And I can't tell you how many people, again, I cannot stress how many people are like, because of game nights, my son is really interested in magic because he wants to, you know, play the game and have it feel like that too yeah so there is a lot of that i do really like what you said too because we want to don't underestimate the reason that your favorite content creators no matter who they are create the stuff is because they want something cool that they created at the end of it yeah so it's your real right it's gonna live forever on the internet you're gonna work your butt off to get it done too and so you're not gonna do that if you're not gonna be proud of it or it doesn't wind your clock to do it and for us making stuff that's like cool at the end of it is really what gives us the energy to actually do it in the first place. Yeah. So, and you're the one that's in the trenches doing all of it. So I'm never going to go in and be like, Josh, you know what? I think we should do less of what you want and more what the internet wants. Well, let's do, that. let's do more low quality stuff, quote unquote low card, less production less value. Less production value. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is just not going to be, I think, ever our game 
it's just not how we're going to do it. And to answer this question even more so, the Kickstarter that we ran recently and the reason that we need patrons and all the support is so that we can continue to do this stuff and now put out more content. Like we're going to release extra turns episodes, more extra turns episodes next year because we're able to raise that bar and fundraise for it as well. Live streaming maybe of some Commander games. So we are looking to be able to do some ancillary content in addition, but we're never going to lower the bar of production value on game nights. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe it's like we're speaking too highly of ourselves, but if I was a professional athlete and you told me like, Jimmy, you're you're trying to make it to the Olympics, well, why not just not do that and try and race more and not push yourself as hard? Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, I want to achieve something at the end of the day, so this is what we're pushing ourselves towards. Yes, we're Olympic athletes now. (laughs) You Uh, are with those arms, that's for sure. (laughs) You've been working out harder than me lately. Yeah. Okay, question number nine. What do you guys think about playing with an ante? This is from Toby. Mm, I like. Did you ever? Did you ever play with an ante back in the day? I didn't because it was terrifying, and I only had like fifty cards, so I'm certainly not going to be anteing any of them (laughs) up. This is all my cards. (laughs) This is my whole deck. Yeah, (laughs) you're not going to take a lightning bolt from me. Um, I will play for silly things occasionally. Like one time we had Mishra's coupon. I think it was an (laughs) uncard. You can tap it and sag it to make someone go get you a drink. So that was our ante. It just was at the table and was just like, at any time, if you attack me, I'm going to tap this and make you, you know, get me a drink. So I've done that before. Like, hey, if you win this game, you're buying me dinner or whatever. Like, right. that's that's the sort of thing I think friends can do on a fun basis. But I've heard of leagues. I've never done one of these where you start with like a sealed deck or a certain amount of packs or something. Oh, cool. And then you play for anti in the league. And so the person who wins can kind of start to snowball depending. Uh, anti, if you don't know, in the original days of magic there it was designed this way there was a bunch of cards that referred to ante what you're supposed to do is shuffle your deck present it to your opponent and then before you draw your hand of seven you would flip the top card and put it off to the side and that was your ante which meant whoever won the game was going to win that card from the other player man back in the day that could have been like a mox yeah <laughs> i mean it, been anything. it just shows that they did not understand when they started the game that the cards would even have value they yeah. thought they would just be worth like monopoly game pieces like does anybody want to bu- like go to a store and buy the little dog or the top hat from monopoly yeah. no that's what how they thought of it turned out that yeah black lotuses and stuff became so valuable that it was too dangerous and people just wouldn't play for ante yeah. and then they eventually phased that out of the out of the game i did play for ante a little when i was a kid and yeah it felt horrible I mean, but it felt awesome, too, because you got the rush. When you did win. Yeah, the rush. But it felt bad when you lost. And some, if you lost, like, one of your good cards, Ugh. if that happened to you once, you were never playing for anti again. Yeah. So you're Just go play, go play Pogs if you want to take people's things. But I think in a league, like, in a self-contained league where we're going to buy these eight packs yeah. or these ten packs, we're going to build decks, we're going to play a rough Swiss tournament structure over a couple of weeks or months, and uh, we're going to play for Annie just within that little environment. That could be fun. I've seen drafts where at the end of it, everyone puts all the rares and mythics in the middle of the table, and then whoever wins the draft gets first pick. Yeah, we've done that. You do that draft as that. So that's That's similar. Similar, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. right. Question number 10. I never win games. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I listen to all your podcasts. I spend a lot of time tuning my decks, and I think they're good. And it's not like I'm always in last place. I get second a lot, but I can never seem to be the winner in the end. Any advice? And this comes from Chandler. Um, It is hard to win games and close out sometimes because people often do the thing where it's like i see my chance this is it and then they go all out they give 100 percent, and they play all their cards but it just gets them to the point where they empty themselves out and the person that sandbagged a little bit harder is able to take the victory from them as well chandler i think my advice would be you're probably doing what most of us do and i think almost everybody falls into this pitfall which is concentrating too much on the deck building portion and not enough on the playing of the game portion Mm -hmm. i think unequivocally the place that almost everybody can improve the most 
is in playing the actual game. Yeah. It's what differentiates a pro player and not a pro player is how you like because they don't get to politic. It's right. just about how well they play the game. And politics could be part of this mix because we're playing commander. Maybe you could play around with your politics and improve that skill set. But I think also just your sequencing, the decisions that you're actually making, the threats you're choosing to remove, when you're choosing to remove them, what you're you, tutoring for, who you're attacking and why, when yeah. you're playing defensive, not there are so many decisions in the game. And I know for a fact that people don't get pay enough attention to this really important aspect of, you know, Commander. Because when we do an episode, like the Brawl episode, and a bunch of people come out of the woodwork and be like, why? I don't want to watch Brawl. I want to watch Commander. You had a chance to watch Reed Duke play multiplayer magic and break down his thought process for it. And you don't think that's valuable. That tells me that you're putting way too much stock in what the cards are that are in the deck and not enough stock in the mind and the mental process of the, the sequence of actions that you're taking and why. Yeah. And so... Chandler, I think that's probably, and, and for myself, you know, I've noticed a huge improvement in my gameplay ever since we started doing game nights because I'm forced, I say this all the time, but I'm forced to analyze not just my play, but everyone's play for hours on end, weeks on end. And I think that's made me a way better player than I used to be. And I think that if you just think about your games in terms of not what's in your deck, but what decisions were made and were those correct, yeah. that's probably where you can find a lot of improvement. I bet we'll push you over the top so you're not in second place anymore. You're in first place sometimes. Yeah, I would definitely just say focus on one thing at first and, and try your best to improve that. And I think sequencing, what you mentioned, is one of the most important things. Like turn three, you might have three options. Figure out which is the best and why. And a lot of ways you can do this too is by playing more limited, where those first few turns are really crucial in how you use your mana. And Watching the players that do win in your pot a lot, noticing the patterns of what they're doing. Yeah. They, you know, they're probably playing their ramp before their other cards. Are you doing similar things like that? You know, yeah. that, that kind of thing will help you. Yeah. Having good discipline in gameplay will be a very, will make a big, big difference too. All right. Question 11. My question is concerning real life interaction, like at Magic Fest and GPs. How do you guys feel about fans coming up to you? Do you feel bothered by it? Maybe not bothered at first, but eventually fed up from Richard. Richard, if you came up and say hi to me, I would, I wouldn't be bothered. We'll never be bothered. We won't be at the event if we don't want that to happen. Yeah. It's very easy for us to not walk in the doors of an event. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think the number one thing that because I've, you know, I've done conventions You've done now. Than me. I've done YouTubing and stuff as well. Yeah, you got and big cons and stuff. There's all sorts of different people that will come up to you and say hi. And, you know, it's not in my interest to be rude to anyone. But if I do, for instance, have some place I need to be, or I have a draft I signed up for, I will do my best to get to that event. And I think the, the only time that I think if you're worried about it, right, if you're like, oh, I see so-and-so here, I don't know if I should approach them or not, is just take a second to gauge if they're busy or not, if they're headed to something, if they look like they're in a rush. And if they are, maybe choose a better time to do it so you don't have that pressure on you. Because for us, even if we're rushing to something, if I'm going to something and be like, hey, I can talk to you, but you have to walk with me. Yeah. You know, that's something that I can easily do, but I don't want the other person to feel like, oh, I was bothering them X, Y, and Z. So it's, I think it's easier for the person that wants to communicate or interact with them to just gauge that first. And that will give you, I think, just much better results if you're worried about that in general. But please don't be worried. Yeah. You guys are the reasons that we're here and the reasons that we're at the event and doing the things that we do. Yeah, we, we love interacting with everybody out there that watches our content and we like playing games with everybody. That is why we're at the event. So don't be shy about coming up. But yeah, if you see one of us walking and we're just pointed straight at the bathroom, maybe maybe just wait a second. We'll go. We'll, we'll probably be coming out eventually. Yeah, you know? I hope so. Jeez, oh, you don't have to wait outside the bathroom door either. Yeah, but, don't yeah. do that. Don't do that either. But like, yeah, I'm just saying. Like every once in a while, you're like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. You know. Yeah. But we've also learned it's okay to just we'll tell people when that's the case too. Uh, yeah. I, I learned this from you, but it took me a little while to get used to. It's it like ah, I'm really I'm on my way to lunch, so. 
I'll catch you later, but I have yeah. to go. Or I'll be at X, Y, and Z. I have a meetup at this yeah. time, and you can find me there. I think that, that helps for a lot of people as well. I think the last thing I would say is the only time that I ever get irked or bothered is when a question crosses a line, if that makes sense. Like, don't I'm attack at a, us with your questions. Don't attack us with your questions, <laughs> that's for sure. I have gotten some people to come up that were that just were frankly a little rude and and asked why you know similar to like the i want this why don't you do this kind of thing and i'm gonna do my best to handle it gracefully but (laughs) i think in general you know i'm at a magic event to talk about magic stuff please don't ask me about my personal life you know and those are those are the things too where i'm not gonna be like don't do that i'll just be like let's move on to another topic or whatever but i think those are the sort of other small things just to be wary of in but general, in though, general, like 99.9% of people everyone are awesome. is so nice and yeah. awesome. Yeah, don't fret it. Don't worry about it. So please say hi to us if you if you want. And and never be worried. If you want a signature too, this is the best thing. Please bring a pen because I may not have one. I and, try, but sometimes, and I lose them sometimes because well, people, yeah, people just walk people off. Just take yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I, I want to give this spiel because it makes me feel bad. Um, I will sign your Vidalcan Ori if you ask me to, but every time pen hits cardboard when I do that, it feels like just like a $20 bill just evaporated from the universe. Yeah. So It is nice I, to sign the, the sleeves. Let's I would much sleeves. rather sign like a command tower or a soul ring, yeah. you know? So I'm just putting that out there. If you really want me to sign the Ori, I will do it, but Hot it tip, hurts me. If you want Josh to sign every card in your collection, have him sign an inner sleeve and, and then, then that way it can go on any of them yeah exactly <laughs> um, right. also don't be afraid to ask for photos oh yeah not at all we're totally do- good with that okay number right. 12 <laughs> how do you guys feel about people eating or drinking while you're playing uh if it's like a drink with a straw that is off to the side and they know where they're putting it i'm okay but i need to know the person that's doing it and just trust them in general in general i don't like any drink that doesn't have like a cap that screws on on a table where i'm playing i'll literally ask people hey can you put that on the table behind us yeah uh yeah i don't like that food is a little bit more nebulous it depends on the food depends on where it is like well, also Depends a lot of what times, it is. Very rare, unless the person is aggressively taking your cards and handling them, you can kind of do what you want on your side of the table, but I don't want like crumbs flying everywhere yeah. and stuff too. So in general, I would say like there are plenty of times, let's say you pass the turn, lean back, eat your eat, food, do whatever you pizza, need, take yeah. a bite, yeah, wipe your hands off. Just try and be respectful, I think, of other people and their cards as well because it's not just your value on the table. It's a lot harder to f- for food to damage my cards than than a drink, yeah. but it is possible. But I don't want grease everywhere yeah. either. That's oil and stuff that's, that's really rough and hard to clean. All right, number 13, do you think that some cards are played in too many decks? I've found that many decks of certain colors have many auto-include cards that make games predictable and a little dull. This is from Nikolai. Hmm. Yes. I see. <laughs> There's my answer. I mean, yeah. Do you think we're getting hom- more homogenized? I think if you're playing green, sure. I think like it's so easy just to always play a cultivate Kodama's Reach and Parsi, the ram package. Um, vegetation, sky scrout, clam. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the the thing that I really do have issue with is just that we have too many cards like Mana Crypt and Mana Vault, and they cost way too much, and they're way too powerful, and, and you way want too them good. in all, and the you decks. want them in every single deck, and it's yeah, just you not don't have possible. to play them all. I know you don't, and there's obviously a lot of ways around them, but let's say you want to make them on a white deck and you want it to work with the ramp sure. or your Voltron deck and all that stuff we've talked about. So I, I think the, that's the only time where I'm like, ugh, bummer, I got, I have to make sure I get X, Y, and Z in this deck, and it's going to cost a pretty penny. I mean, you don't have Mana Crypt in every one of your decks, right? No. So, but I would like to. Yeah, but I mean, so you're fine playing decks that don't have it. Right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's like you have... I a, just live with it. Yeah, I, have, yeah. I have a powerful deck and I have this one. And well... I, and it can still be powerful. I have a couple powerful decks that don't have those cards. Yeah. You know? I mean, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't 
See, I don't know that I buy into the idea that it is inherently better if every deck just has all unique cards and none of them overlap. Right. Like, and it also isn't realistic. It's not realistic. Yeah. And the power level is going to be all over the place in that case. Yeah. I, I think there is a little bit of format homogenization going on, and that's just inevitable as the game continues to go because they're putting out new cards constantly, and they're just going to put out cards that are like, yep, that's going to go in a lot of decks. I don't think they could design magic cards every single year and have them come out every four months yeah. and that not happen on some level. But in general, the format diversity in Commander is very, very, very high. It's insane. Think about all the cards that never would have seen play otherwise, but now because of Commander, they are realistic and very good or just played in these niche decks or these strategies. Like, Yeah, and every awesome. year they come out with a Commander or two or three or four where all of a sudden a bunch of cards that nobody ever played yeah. now are going to get played. Feather did that and mm-hmm. Kadena does that and all kinds of cards. Greven did that. And so they're actually often pulling in a bunch of cards that just weren't seeing play and bringing those into the format. And yes, sometimes they're also doing the thing, and by them I mean Watsi, where they're making you know a card that, like, well, that's going to go in most green decks. But Like a Teferi's protection level card kind of thing. I kind of you know? think those two things balance out in, in a lot of ways, and I actually think format diversity is pretty good. So yeah. I don't and think this is a huge problem, honestly. It's only going to get better next year because the number one thing we're getting more of is commanders. Yeah, that's so. true. Okay, question 14. First, if Commander is a casual format, why use politics? If it's not a tournament, why go so far to win and not just enjoy the game? Second, if I want my playgroup to minimize politicking, which I think is a real question, how can I go about it? Uh, this is from David. Um, <laughs> a funny question because clearly David doesn't like politics. Yeah, Commander is a casual format and that's why politicking exists. Yeah. Because in a non-casual format, you wouldn't be able to talk to your opponent and be like, could you not do that? <laughs> yeah, no, there's prizes. I'm killing you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting that David equates politics to trying harder, which is politics actually are one of the biggest casual aspects of the format. That's one of the things I think that makes it casual is the ability to be like, come on, don't do that. that." I think if the politics in your group are becoming toxic, which maybe it is, which is just like, if you don't do this, I'm not talking to you again. If you don't do this, it's over. Yeah, like that's not politics exactly. Yeah, that's like threats, right? That's like that would be bad in any game, right? Yeah, it's more it's more barbaric, I guess, in a lot of ways too. It's just very much like X then then Y. I think like like what Josh just did. The come on, like trying to add a little more fun and levity into your situation, and I think that might help the politicking. And something else that Josh says all the time that I think is great, which is just like you got to do what you got to do, and the politics are over, just do it. Because I don't want to wait around and keep going and going. And I think like there are ways that you can contribute to the table atmosphere that help take away from maybe what you find negative or unsavory about it. Yeah, and I can see politics getting out of control even if they're not toxic to the point where like, and I think we've been on the forefront of spearheading this idea that look, in game nights, look how fun politics can be. And a lot of people come up to me and say, our playgroup wasn't politics political at all we watch game nights and now it's way more fun because we're always like throwing out crazy deals and stuff yeah, and yeah, yeah. thanks for teaching us that that was a thing about the format but that can go too far too that can, mm-hmm. there can be too much of that yeah and everything's a deal all of a sudden yeah it's like okay at some point we got to play cards and attack people and, and yeah. get towards the end of this game so that could be annoying too so if if you're on that side of it david i would say you know just talk to people and you can do it it'd be like come on guys there's like way so much talking we're only getting one game a night if that's the reason if you just don't like politics because you don't like the social interaction between people i mean it's possible that commander is not the correct format for you because Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that makes commander what it is it's really about the gathering and the social aspect if you want just streamlined i'm not going to talk to my opponent i'm just going to try and kill them then you know standard modern limited 1v1 formats are really better 
at that than commander is i think yeah um and also as a thought experiment for you david i would for instance take a pen and paper and just write out all the reasons why you don't like politicking and sort of look at them all and see if there's a common thread there and that might be the actual sort of the pain point and if you can address that i assure you that everything stemming from that is going to be a lot lot easier so try and figure out what that is because it does seem like it is something more uh, deeper than what the question poses that may be the actual problem here. And it's good to always know about yourself as well. All right. This is the last question. It's question number 15, and we're bringing it full circle to the very start of the full episode. Full circle. Amy asks, how long does it take to perfect the intro songs? Uh, <laughs> well, approximately four minutes, Amy. Okay, you're ready to recreate the beginning of every episode? All right, so I'm usually yeah. off camera. I'm okay, here's I, how it goes. I hit roll. And, and here's me. I'm going, oh, crap, we need a song. It's like... Every the start of every episode, I realize we need a song just at the point where he hits record. <laughs> and then I say here, I'm like, and, we're oh. like, and then I'm here's what I googled today: top songs. Top songs. Yeah. You just <laughs> and I'm just going down the Billboard 100 chart, and I'm like, well, do I want to sing Billie Eilish? Not really. No. And then I'm, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, what's the episode about? It's about oh, fixing white. White. Okay. okay. So I typed songs white, that, songs white, and white. then the white album came up. So we were like, oh, oh okay, okay, Beatles. The Beatles. Okay, All right, yeah, well, yeah. what are some songs by the Beatles? And, and then, then we literally went three, through three of them. We're like, Blackbird singing the dead, dead of night. No, and then we're like, back nah, in the USSR. SSR. I'm like, no, eh, that's not right. Really and then we're like, okay, for, forget the White Album. What other Beatles songs are there? Yeah, and we're like, and, 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 and the worst part is, this is the worst part. When we look at the song, I'm like, oh, bloody, oh, blah, oh, we can do that. I was like, no, we've definitely done that one before. It's like, crap. Yeah. All that, right, back to the drawing board. That's what we're running into now after almost 300 episodes is that of repeats yeah we've actually repeated some songs not knowing it where the discord server will be like you guys already did that one you already did that one <laughs> no twice no way they said that about the uh the the ozzy osborne going off the rails on, on a crazy, crazy train. train yeah we've I never no, done that no, i have no idea we've done that at some point in the past like jeez yeah i mean so, it's a good song so there you go amy it takes approximately forever four to five minutes of yeah. just like us going like ah and then like another two minutes to start prepping it sometimes in this case we like rewrote the lyrics because it was about the question and we we're like this is a smart idea <laughs> Sometimes we're very smart. Yeah. All right. To the listeners, we got a question for you all. We just answered a bunch. A bunch. Can you answer this one for us? Which is, what do you think would most help make white viable in Commander without breaking the color pie? And that's yeah. the tough part. Obviously, rampant card draw, but how do you do it so that it feels white? Because honestly, if you just gave white those two things the same way green has it, then white would be the best color all of a sudden. We just want it to be a good color. Yeah. And I would love to see, you know, fun, creative ideas. It's always cool seeing the things that people come up with. And there's a lot of room here. All right. And if you want to buy any cool white cards like Smothering Tithe or Teferi's Protection or Sun Titan or Enlightened Tutor. Technically reprinted, by the way, Teferi's Protection and this new mystery booster thing. Oh, right. And wasn't there like a Judge Promo or something at some point? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that, all, any of that I don't really think Judge Promo was ever counted. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully maybe Commander Legends. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but if you want to pick up any of that stuff or any other magic cards, please go to cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. If you use our affiliate link when you order any of your stuff, you really are supporting this show, Game Nights, Extra Turns, all of our content. And make sure you also purchase some Ultra Pro product while you're there or you're at a big box retailer or your LGS. They make amazing play mats. Basically, any single thing that you might need when playing Magic the Gathering, they will have for you. So check it out. They got amazing deck boxes, sleeves, dice, you name it. They got it. Ultra Pro buying their product also helps us support this show. So thank you. All right, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. 
Did you watch The Mandalorian? I haven't watched it yet. I knew we were going to talk about this, though, because I saw that on Twitter that you were talking about it. So, yeah, so, yeah I, I'm a little... I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I thought the episode, if I had to give the first episode a rating, I would give it like a seven out of six to seven out of ten. It's not bad. Yeah, because we have the rest of the season to go on to. Um, it's it's really, it's on Disney Plus. It's a new show directed by John Favreau, and it uh, follows the story of a Mandalorian, which is the same type of uh, class of bounty hunter that Boba, Boba Fett was. Yeah. They never take off their helmets, so you basically just watch Boba Fett the entire episode. Um, Must it, be tough on the acting because you need. You don't have any facial expressions. Yeah, it's the guy from Game of Thrones in yeah. there too, and you know, so uh, <laughs> you just hear his voice. Um, I thought the episode was actually a lot of fun. The production value is really well done. It's shot beautifully. Um, all of the makeup and the effects look great. And if you're just a fan of Star Wars, it's definitely something that you can really easily dive into. And there's like probably like 15 or 16 Easter eggs in that first episode alone that don't detract from the episode at all. I think John Favreau does a really good job in general of paying homage to stuff and making it look and feel correct in the right universe. Like I think he did that with Iron Man really well. He did that with Jungle Book 2. No comment on The Lion King because uh, that's just a technical mess. I don't know how you even start to bit, to direct that movie. I mean, uh, Jungle Book was similar. That's why I think they thought they could but do they, it. But at least they had a real kid yeah, in yeah, there yeah, that's true. <laughs> to ground the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really fun ride at the very least. I'm excited to see where it goes, and it does feel a little bit like a, hey, you like Star Wars? You're, gonna, you're definitely going to like this. Ooh, you're going to like this throwback. You're going to like this. And I'm the kind of person that's just like, yeah. Yeah, I do like Star Wars. Yeah, yeah I do like Star Wars. <laughs> and I haven't felt something like this in a while. Please don't disappoint. So that's where I'm at with it right now. I, I would recommend checking out at least the first episode. I think you can get a free trial as well on Disney Plus for a week or a month if you go to the website. Yeah, we're actually waiting a little while for the free trial to see once a couple more shows come out. So we yeah, can test a so couple. Yeah, a bunch. We're in this era now where like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney yeah. Plus, Apple Plus, it's going to be like, okay. I'm not going to just have them all. I'm going to have to pick and choose. So. Yeah, it basically costs as much as my cable did back Used in the to. day now. Yeah. I remember when, yeah, like DirecTV, it was like, you know, $100 plus for all the channels. And now yep. you're just kind of, they're going to get that money out of you somehow, I guess, is how it's going to work. Guess Good so. thing about YouTube is it's free. Well, you know, I, I'm pretty sure if you ever want to watch Mulan on the streaming service, it'll have to be Disney+. Plus. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I'm th- they're still going to. Who knows? I bet they're still going to put their stuff on HBO and stuff. They, they'll just take the money. I have no idea how it works. I hope everyone's able to watch it. Yeah, I think I think they there's a good chance they will. I mean, yeah. again, yeah, we have no idea for sure. Okay, <laughs> uh, cool end step. I will check that out. Another cool show. Did you see I set up my own segue? That, that was, was just, dope. That was, that was just cool. So pro. It's like you're playing t-ball. <laughs> <laughs> Let me but... <laughs> put that here. <laughs> wow, what a great pitch. The worst part was I did that without thinking about it and then realized I did it and was like, that was lame. <laughs> nice. Something Real that's not lame, though. There we go. Is Double. The, is our sister podcast, <laughs> the Masters of Modern, Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman. They talk about the modern format, all things competitive magic. I think last week, at the time you're watching this, they actually had a topic about how to fix white in modern. So I, oh. I noticed that as we went to record today, I was like, oh, we're doing sort of that topic. So that was great not mind. planned, but great minds. Yeah. Um, so you can find them on Twitter at the MMCast. You can find them on YouTube. Just type in Masters of Modern or they'll show up in any of your podcast apps. And everyone here at the Command Zone house, we have Terry Robertson, uh, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Ashlyn Rose, Craig Blanchett, Sam Waldo, Alfred DeStocka. 
thank Big you team. thank you to everyone for uh, helping make this show possible as well as the you know we just put on an amazing brand standards an episode that's been cooking in the edit bay for I don't know, almost half a year now or something and we have a really fun one coming up as well for the holiday season so. oh yeah that one's gonna be fun too yeah. yeah yeah the brandon episode we shot back in was it march yeah it's been a while yeah that one it was just came to us suddenly because brandon became available and we were like uh, i don't know where uh, we're gonna release this but, but let's shoot do it, it. Yeah, yeah immediately <laughs> and of course big thanks to jeffrey palmer for doing the living card animations that live behind us on set as well as start and end the show at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast you can find them on twitter at living cards mtg all right everybody thanks for watching and thanks for the questions we'll see you next time peace For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.